Hi, my name's Clayton, and you're listening to the Isaiah 43 podcast, where we explore how God has formed us, redeemed us, and how He calls us today. Each week we will journey through Scripture to understand all that God has done and what exactly His call is for our lives today. This is week 41. This is a Bible study week where we examine Scripture and its application to our lives. This first week of November, we start diving into a question that I've been asked a lot since I first began teaching Bible studies, and I understand where this question is coming from. Christianity clearly comes from Judaism. The Old Testament, whether it's just the first five books of the entire Old Testament, comes from Judaism and is their canonical books. So naturally, when we look at the Old Testament, we see something staring back at us that we are left to grapple with. The book of Leviticus and all of the old Levitical codes and laws that the Israelites were given in the desert. Many people have asked in one way or another, what codes should we be following as Christians? Or, frankly, are there any codes that we should be following? I understand where this question is coming from because people want to make sure that they are following God's laws as they should be. We all want to make sure that we are living a godly life that brings honor and glory to God. We want to be careful that we are not doing anything we shouldn't be, and that we are doing everything we should be. In order to do that properly, though, we need to start with prayer. So, let us pray. Father, we ask that you will lead us and guide us in this study. Father, we recognize all the wonderful things that you've done, even the little things in our lives, Lord, that we didn't even realize you were doing, and yet you've brought us through an, uh, through thick and thin because of these little things that you've done in our lives, Father. And yet we recognize as we study this subject today how fallen we truly are, Lord. We realize that we don't treat people the way we should, Father, and we realize that we don't love and forgive as we should because you, you've done such great things in our lives. How could we not want to do the amazing things to others that that we are called to do, Lord. And when you sent your Son on this earth, Lord, he, he told us that the greatest commandment is to love God and love one another. And Father, forgive us, for we have not loved you and we have not loved others as we should. Please lead us in this study. Give us wisdom and understanding. And let our hearts be receptive of what it is you have to teach us today, Lord. Guide us in all things and be with us in all things. Let us bring honor and glory to you through this study and through every study that this podcast will give in all of its existence, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, we have a big topic to understand today and we have to break it down so it's easier for us to understand. There's a lot that we need to examine for today's episode. So buckle up because here we go. Before we get into anything else, the first thing we need to ask is, what was the purpose of the Levitical law? To properly understand the question, we have to see why it was created in the first place. And for that, let us turn over to Exodus chapter 19 verses 5 and 6. As usual, we'll be reading from the ESV or English Standard Version. So again, Exodus chapter 19 verses 5 and 6. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep all my keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. This is one of the first mentions of a law between God and his chosen people, which was this covenant. The Israelites were required to obey it if they wanted the benefits that God offered them. Eventually, God would introduce the actual law in the form of the Ten Commandments, which we see in Exodus chapter 20 and Deuteronomy chapter 5. Along with the five or the Ten Commandments, rather, there are another 613 commandments in the law seen throughout Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. While Jesus sums up the law as love God and love your neighbor, the other laws were on how God wanted to be worshipped and how we should interact with others. Now, speaking of Jesus, we see that when he comes and talks on the Sermon on the Mount, he tells us that he did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. This is something that we will dive into more later, but basically what we need to know here is that Jesus takes the law to a higher level. Jesus tells us that it actually has a lot more to do with our thoughts and intentions. So now the law's purpose shows us mankind's sinfulness and God's standard of holiness, which we cannot keep. But more on this later. For now, since we are talking about the law, there are some more things that we really need to come to understand. The law is divided up into three main divisions the civil, the ceremonial, and the moral. According to the Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry, the civil law expired at the demise of the Jewish civil government. The civil law included things like dealing with rebellious children in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 18 through 21, or moving landmarks in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 14. It's things like that. If you'd like a more detailed list, you can find one on the Christian Apologetics and Research Ministry website under the article titled, What are the Main Divisions of the Law of the Old Testament Law? The ceremonial law is arguably more of what people think of when they think of the Levitical law. This is the stuff like the Law of Atonement, which we see in Leviticus chapters 16 and 17, and the sacrifices for sin in Leviticus chapters 1 through 6 and the priestly duties described all throughout Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. All of this was fulfilled by Christ, and none of it applies to us now because Christ did it all. Lastly, the moral law is something that never expires, never fades, and will always remain because it is God's character. God speaks to us about this in Leviticus chapter 19, verses 1-2, through 2, which reads, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel, and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. From here, we have to take a look at what moral laws stand out the most, and what do they reveal about God's character. We see other examples of the moral law, like sexual sins listed in Leviticus chapters 18 and 20, and Numbers chapter 5, or the condemnation of child sacrifice, also in Leviticus 20, that highlights God's character and his standard for righteousness. Yet the best example of the moral law are located in the Ten Commandments. We may not have read them earlier when we were discussing earlier matters, but I think it's important that we read them now. So Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image, or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath it, beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. 
You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your, your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not be a false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. The Ten Commandments are laid out before us here, and we have to acknowledge what it says about God's character. It tells us that God is a holy, just, righteous, and good God. He sets out things that reveal the evilness of the human heart. We've all gone against every single one of these things, and deep down, we know it. Jesus takes a lot of these commandments further than what is stated here. He makes it clear that this begins in the heart and the mind. God's standard of holiness is listed here, and we have failed to keep it. We need a Savior, one who is able to keep it and who is able to take the condemnation upon themselves. That Savior is Jesus Christ, and through his death on the cross the sin was atoned for, our condemnation removed, and our reconciliation with God made. So then, the law points us to Christ. As R.C. Sproul said, quote, I said at the beginning that I would say yes to all of it, because all the law has its other purpose, the purpose of being the mirror that reflects our sinfulness, that reveals to us the holiness of God. It is the schoolmaster that drives us to Christ. We preach the law so that people can be pushed to the gospel, end quote. Various passages of scripture point this out too. But one of the best books is the book of Hebrews. There are some passages that I want us to read here in the book of Hebrews. First, let us turn our attention to Hebrews chapter 7, verse 19. So Hebrews chapter 7, verse 19. For the law made nothing perfect. But on the other hand, a better hope is introduced, through which we draw near to God. Now here we see that the law made nothing perfect, but it was preparing the way for God to introduce a new hope, so that we may draw near to God. But in our next passage of scripture today, I really want to take the time to read this. I want it to sink in. It highlights everything that we've discussed, and as scripture does, it refreshes us and opens our eyes. It shows us the relevance of the law today. It shows us that it is a shadow of the coming of Christ and his atonement on our behalf. So let us turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 1 through 33. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. 
Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? But in these sacrifices there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that, will he, will, we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from the, that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us. For after saying, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws on their heart and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawlessness, lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sins. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning <coughs> deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the ones who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. I think that says all we need to say. But in case you need more, Galatians chapter 3, verses 24 through 28 reads, So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. 
For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. So with all of this said and examined in today's episode, I hope it has cleared up any confusion that you may have had on the matter. Now, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, rejoice that we have been made one in Christ. Praise God that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. God bless.